Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Foreign driving a car for the first time in about three or four months. Um, yeah, it's weird how conditioned you get to not doing things, isn't it? Yeah, because on the on the scooter or on the bike, like you're very uh, you're very engaged with the environment. Very you know? exposed. You exposed, yeah, yeah. Then I got in this car and I'm like, I felt like I was in this little bubble, this little <laughs> spaceship. But then I was still fanging around on the scooter and I'm like, oh, maybe I need to settle down a little bit here because uh, <laughs> over here it's so different. Like I love it. I love like the the attitude on the roads. Like yeah, it's just, oh, It all interweaves, into doesn't it? There's no stop start. It's all flowy. And you just go. Like, if you've got a yeah, bit of yeah. a chance, you just go and, and then the person will just slow down a bit for you or whatever and there's no real – like I haven't seen any road rage yet. And and you hear the little beeps of the horn, but yeah, the, the got beeps the free beep system. It's the yeah. come in, it's the I'm coming through, or it's the get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all just little. It, none none of it's like you know back home where a beep means get the fuck out of the way. You know you're real angry at someone. It's just letting them know, hey, I'm here, I'm over oh, here. I watched I watched some road rage yesterday. I think and it was just simply going around a roundabout, and someone pulled through a little bit slow, and this dude in a big truck with his big ego and his small dick came flying through and he's just on the horn uh, uh, and I'm like just and then I read this um, quote this morning from the Grand Mile and it's, you know that the John Coffey character I'll hold it up you know that one? Oh, yep yep I haven't yeah, seen the movie so. but I do know that guy yeah yeah I should watch it <laughs> You're looking at me like I should watch it. Okay, all right, it's on the list. Literally speechless. I'm putting it. Where's my pen? Where's my pen? The Green Mile. The, the Green Mile. You haven't. Oh, my heart just got a little bit sore. Then Ryan. No, but it can get healed because I'm going to watch it because I'm decided to try and get a little bit back into just watching, you know, movies and stuff. Because yeah, a while there, I saw that. So, I saw that it's all pointless. So, the John Coffey character, uh, the guy who's in prison, he says, I'm tired, boss. Mostly, I'm tired of people being ugly to each other. Yeah. And it's so true. It's just, we are yeah. ugly towards each other. We are, and then and Road Rage is one where we're, where we're holding on to a bit of anger already, and then because there's the barrier, this is the same thing as the internet, right? And I've been having this lately, like, Fucking hell, the internet! Like I'm, look, we're looking at getting a VA just to handle, just you know, you know, comments Maybe on. We should chip in and, and co get a, v- a VA because I need one as well. Yeah, yeah, Mel's looking into it at the minute. She's she's great. She put in a in a thing and she just go, we're looking for the prerequisites. You need to be woo woo, and you yeah. need to like have also these other actual things going on. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll chip in for a couple of hours. I need a VA. So well, I was gonna speak yeah, to you like I was gonna speak to you as well about um yeah looking at ways to you know promote the podcast um, because the podcast. And I think we're recording, so the listeners may or may not hear this. It's getting traction, man. Like, yeah. Poor old Deb has been inundated. Like she's been smashed from pillar to post with, with yeah. doing neurology yeah. profiles yeah. and readings from America and from 
all different places. It's just that, like, that oh was, my God, I didn't know that would happen. My, my, yeah, good friend from the States, uh, and I know there's been heaps of others, uh, Matthew, Matty McNutt, we, we made yes. over there who, uh, yeah, and he's, he's just gone through our root cause therapy yeah. training and his, his wife's just about to start and, um, he's actually in plans at the minute to open up the Midwest center for healing yeah, over there. But he, he, he messaged me cause he was having trouble getting uh, in touch with Deb. And so I just sent him a, um, can't remember what it was, whether it was a email or whatever. And yeah, so he got he got he got the whole family done. He got him the the, the wife, the kids. Uh, he's like, just give me give me the whole shooting match. Right. And usually she charges one hundred and ten bucks for a numerology full numerology profile, which I'm yeah. told is ridiculously cheap. I reckon yeah. she should charge three hundred for the profile and the follow up session just to sort mm-hmm. of talk people through it. But no, no, you know typical healer I'm going to undercharge and undersell myself (laughs) and she's done all of his for like 60 bucks as an introduction price and I'm like that's so many hours worth of work so he's he's copped a bloody great deal deal. plus it's US dollars as well so it's uh so she, less. Yeah, so, <laughs> and so poor old Deb's messaging me. She's like, "Oh, I have to, I have to set up a PayPal, and how do I do that? And I have to set up a Zoom." And all <laughs> so old school. Yeah, but she's <laughs> loving it because it's it's her having to get out of her comfort zone, exactly, and to grow and evolve and everything. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a win-win all around. I think it's it's, oh, it's awesome. So yeah, man, I, I got like a, a text message this morning. There's my phone from a client, and he's um. And he's just just totally random. I'm sitting here just about to start work, and he's, uh, what do you say? Just hashtag seventeen dot 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 old wives tale than a laughing emoji. And I was like, What, what were we talking know? about then? So it was. I think it was kick the bucket. Kicking the bucket. Yeah, yeah right, was, right, right. So it was death and impermanence, and I think the old yep. wives tale was kicking the bucket. And where did that come from? So I started listening to number seven, eight, and honestly, dude, I messaged you about it. I was pissing myself. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know, the shit that we come up with. Um, yeah, yeah, it's no, none of it's planned, you know. And for those tuning in, today's going to be a very, very random episode. We had a guest freestyle. line. Freestyle, we're freestyling today. We did have a guest lined up. And uh, they've had to unfortunately pull the pin last minute. We are getting them on next month in August, which will be great. But um, we thought we would uh, jump on anyway and just talk some shit. So today uh, we're going to be the bamboo. This is a great example of if you have that rigid, fixed mindset of it should happen, mm. you're going to go into suffering. And yes. this, this comes back to the road rage and back to being ugly towards each other. Uh, and... and yeah, so what I was saying, what I was saying with the road rage, sorry to cut you off, is it's the same as the internet. There's a barrier. So like if I'm in my car and then yeah. someone's in their car, there's this barrier between me and them. So my anger that I've already got is going to be uh, so much, much more, yeah, much more overt. Yeah. That's why you see so much road rage. Like if, if, if there's this like, oh, fuck you, blah, 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 I'm going to come and smash you. So and then, then if that serious. if that person got out of the car, walked up, wound down their window and stood in their face like this, 
that that oh, lion the, the the lion becomes a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> it's we, a, we should all we should all ride scooters because we don't have that barrier then. Exactly, yeah, and the internet's the worst example of this, man. Yeah, like, we spoke about that in the trolls. So, listeners, if you just need to go back and listen to the trolls podcast that we did, yes. number two or three or something, the way back uh, early days. But um, yeah, so Mr. Gwenka, who spread Vipassana all across the world, the Vipassana meditation, got it global, and he said we can't we can't have peace in society or on Earth until we have peace within ourselves, mm. and we we can't treat others well when we're in survival mode. You think about someone who's drowning. And I had this happen when I was a lifeguard. You know, I think I've spoken about this. I reached in and tried to help the person. They just grabbed me and pulled me in and I had to punch them. And, um, because they were literally mindless. They were so not present. And they didn't care. I could have been their grandma or their mother or their sister or whatever and they would have done the same thing. So... Mm-hmm. It's an amazing metaphor, I think, to highlight how we're we're in survival mode when we're struggling. We're we're not in any position to be of use or help or kind or considerate or thoughtful for anybody else. So, I think we really have to get our shit in order. We have to, and we're mm-hmm. going to do accountability on the next podcast. But we, we really do need to get ourselves sorted, so then we're in a position to just. Oh, this person is just coming through and they're a little bit slower than what I think they should be. That's okay, it's fine. Instead of getting triggered so easily. We're just yeah, triggered. yeah, yeah. I think the more that we, we can work on that and our personal peace, then we just deal with situations and we want, we, we naturally, I suppose our intention with every situation in front of us isn't, you know, how can I best survive? What can I get out of this? Um, how can this make me feel better? All this immediate gratification. But it's like, how can I have this moment in front of me a little bit better than what I left it? And that can be something as like, you, you're walking down the street and you just see a bit of rubbish on the side of the road. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then go and pick that rubbish up and put it in the bin. And then you go about your day. Now, you don't get stuck in mind going, oh, what kind of dickhead would drop that? You know, what kind of blah, blah, blah. Then, you, know, you don't have to make your life about picking up every other bit of garbage. But you can just sort of say, oh, here's a moment in front of me and I can make this a little bit better and then move on that, that that's more uh, I think out of that survival instinct and into you know understanding that we're all whole we're all connected but if you if you're stuck in some form of neurosis if your mind is distorted and your emotions are disturbed as a result you're not going to be present to even notice that bit of rubbish to pick mm. it up because you're going to be so caught up in your thinking you're going to remember that that river that we talk about, you're going to be yep. s- being swept away down river and you're going to be struggling and trying to get yourself you know, out of that river or just at least a bit stable. So you're not in any position to pick that up and to make the world a cleaner place or just yeah. to say hi and smile at a stranger walking past you or sitting on a train, you know, talking to an elderly person. Hey, how are you? I did that once and this, mm. I, I, I intentionally went straight past my stop because I was so absorbed in their, their life story. It was it was worth more to me to sit there and listen to this person than it was to get off and go and have a beer with my mates. Mm. So it's, you know, but we, once again, we can't do all of these things unless we're, unless we're in that moment and able to make that conscious decision and choice. In that moment, yeah, yeah. I love that um, in the moment analogy. That's just, you got to be present, you know. I found myself yesterday, um, 
on the scooter and I, I, uh, I got an email and I just so I was just I, I was off in my head thinking and it's funny on the scooter now I was riding around with Tommy we've got like a little baby seat on the front and um he's just learned it's it's so it's so it's so weird he's just learned to be able to like turn around and look up at you yeah but he's only just learned he's only done it a couple of times and we're cruising the streets on the scooter and that and i was i was off in my head thinking about this email and all this kind of jazz and blah 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 (laughs) and then all of a sudden i look down and he's just staring up at me like dad and then i'm like fuck okay get out of the river get out of the river come come back to what's happening now (laughs) <laughs> it's, so, it's so easy to get swept down that river. Uh, another way of describing it is imagine your mind is like a train station. And think about how many trains leave that station. Trains of thought is a very mm-hmm. common expression. So have a think about how many trains of thought are leaving the station. Now have a think about how many drivers are actually driving that train with intention or with purpose or... Um, What's that word that we were thinking of the other day? It was that slipped me, but it was it was something to do with deliberate. That was it, a deliberate train of thought, mm-hmm. where so many of them are being driven reactively. They're being pushed out by an emotion. So a lot of the time, when we're talking to our friends or our partners or our parents, we're actually talking to their emotions, we're talking to their suffering, we're talking to their disturbance, we're not talking to the genuine and authentic them that's just sitting there in peace. No, no, of course not, 100%, yeah, no, I I was having a chat with a client this last week, and um, he's been through lots of, he's former army actually, but uh, but been through just so many different, you know, psychologists, therapists, all that kind of jazz. And it's the classic one where you just get really defeated because you have actually tried a lot of things and then you end up just deciding, oh, I'm fucked, whatever. And um, you can tell there's this part of him because it's it's a good analogy. You got... It's a fucking big train station for all of us, right? Because so many trains leaving every second, and these are all these neurological pathways and these thought patterns and these parts of us, and and you know, and there's there's definitely this part of him, and I've seen it in many other people that wants to stay stuck. There's this part that wants to stay depressed, wants to stay on the couch, wants to keep drinking, and all that kind of stuff. And if we don't recognise that. Then it it we 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 we, ju- we jump on that train every day and we end up just going where that train takes us. So as the first step is becoming very very aware of that. Now something that we we know very intuitively and we've probably spoken about it on the podcast before is the uh, neuroplasticity. I mean we're always talking about trying to build new neural networks and trying to you know do your term do the mental reps, which is changing our neural networks because we think that our brain is this. Uh, solid state organ which once we had it's, it's once it's built in those first few years that's it but neuroplasticity says our brain's changing all the time it is changing in structure now for a lot of people for most people it doesn't change too much because they said we had i'm not sure how they measured this but i've heard it many times we have roughly sixty thousand thoughts a day right which is a lot okay now the really sad thing is over 50,000 of those thoughts are the exact same thoughts that we had yesterday. So we're just, we're just doing the same thinking, the same thinking, the same thinking, the same thinking over and over again, which means we're just getting on those exact same trains which are leading to those exact same destinations. 
I'm in the office and I've got the whiteboard here. Do you want me oh, to look, show you how it works? Look out. Look out. Let's do it. Oh. If you're if you're uh, listening... All my, cl- look, all my clients are going, oh, here he goes on the whiteboard. Here he goes again. on the bloody whiteboard again. I'm going to... You talk, Nick, and I'm going to try and best explain to the listeners what's happening yeah, on the whiteboard. But, but they can also jump onto your YouTube channel and watch this. They can. Uh, they can. But if, but if they're just listening, I'm going to do my best to describe Right. So what I'm describe, what I'm drawing is a neurological pathway. Okay. But so this could be the train station. Yeah. Yeah. Looks and like a fork. Looks like you've drawn a fork in the road. There's there's yeah, one point like leading to two options. Laying down. Yep. So a tunic fork that's laying down on the side. So there's a pathway leading up the top, and there's a pathway leading down the bottom. Um. Now. It seems, it seems we're talking about being woke and awake and all that sort of stuff. And what I've learnt through this is that all that means is a realisation that this path exists, that we have a choice to go up here. And we're calling it the hard path. All right? Mm-hmm. And so therefore this path down here is the easy path. So the path down the bottom is easy because it's mindless. It takes no effort or energy. It's just... This seems to be human nature. It's that train that we've got on every other day, so we just automatically jump on that same train. So this is this is the the path that we we go down most of the time, and we do this. It's we've spoken about how negativity spreads faster than positivity, and that's because this happens so easily. And down here is destructive thinking. Mm -hmm. All right. So taking that easy path is destructive thinking. Yeah. And destructive thinking is cognitive distortions. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, your mind, your thoughts are cognitions. So have a think about cognitions or thoughts and then distorted. So they're bent out of shape. So we call that with clients... I've drawn a circle and now I'm drawing lots of squiggly lines in it. It looks like a bowl of spaghetti. So we call it spaghetti brain. Yummy. All right. <laughs> so when we have spaghetti brain, we can't see straight and we can't think clearly. Yep. Go back to the drowning person or someone that's stuck in quicksand. Yep. All of a sudden they're in fight flight mode. They can't see straight. They can't think clearly. When we're in a rip or when we're in um, quicksand, what we want to train and condition ourselves to do is to be present and understand that, all right, okay, I can just drift out the back of the rip and swim around the side or I can just stay here and I can be still in the quicksand and someone will come along soon. We can think our way through the problem, all right? But we have to, to do that, we have to go into constructive thinking. So that's the top path. That's the, mm-hmm. the hard path is to go into constructive thinking. You with me? Yeah, I'm with. Right. Well, I'm with you. All right. So destructive thinking is these cognitive distortions. So have a think. Um, these are unhelpful thinking styles. So we will jump to conclusions. I know what she's going to say. I know what's going to happen next. Yeah, we're going to sort of crystal ball. We're going to go into the worst case scenario. So we're going to blow things out of proportion. Oh, it was the worst day ever. Yeah. Mm, was it really? <laughs> 
go and talk to the Holocaust survivors and you know, see what they say about <laughs> it. We're going to use um, binary thinking. So we're going to go into black and white thinking. Things are good or bad, right or wrong, positive or negative. Um, we're going to use very rigid words like should or must. So these critical words, it should happen, it must happen. So these are expectations. Should should uh, uh, should just in for my clients, Nick. Should's a swear word. I always pick people up. So should should and try are my swear words with clients. Oh. I, I would much rather them say fuck and cunt than yep. should and try. <laughs> right, I'm falling deeper in love with you every moment. Well, it's, uh, that happens. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll take things personally. We'll make it all about us. So the ego will take a hit that pride will take yep. a hit um, we will disqualify the positives so we'll only focus on all the negative th- or what we perceive to be the negative things that are happening uh, we'll compare a huge one is always oh I can't believe they do that I would never do that yeah really? and we did we did we did a um a whole episode on quotes that we went through and I I, I don't think we spoke about this one, but one of my quotes that I love is, comparison is the thief of joy. Whenever we're comparing, we are not going to be happy, content, joyful. No, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, what else is it? Oh, there's thinking in terms of things are fair and unfair. So we're acting in accordance to our own personal law, not the law of the universe and nature. Can I give you an example the other day when I compared? Yeah. And it's so yeah. funny. I went and played golf. Now, uh, here's the problem. Before I played golf, I started watching my golf videos on YouTube that I subscribe to. So I'm watching uh, Bryson DeChambeau and his new swing and him bombing at 370 yards. I'm watching so professional Ro- golfer. I'm watching Rory McIlroy. I'm watching Dustin Johnson. And then professional I'm like... Professional golfers. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going out to play golf. And then I started beating myself up for not playing as good as them. All right, so let's let's pause and let's look at these cognitive distortions. So immediately, you've probably disqualified the positive things that you do well. You've compared yourself. You've yeah. gone, I should be better. You've gone into black and white thinking. You've gone to worst case scenario. I'm the worst girl forever. Yep. So it's so easily uh, the train leaves yes. the station. And this so is and this is the point that I'm trying to make. I did pick myself up on that later. But even for me, who's been doing this work for so long and watching myself, I still that I still jump on that train from time to time. But and that's not a that's not something to no. beat yourself up about. We just got to notice. Me too. But I think the difference between us and people who haven't done as much work as we have is we have a capacity to observe ourselves doing that, and then we can go, ah, that's. That's ah, I'm doing that All right. Let's pull myself the, out. The, the humor again, the laughing. Yes, yeah. we've spoken but about that. Don't most people don't have the capacity to observe themselves? Mm-hmm. So that's where they're swept up in that river of thought. Yes. Yeah. All right. So those cognitive distortions uh, are destructive thinking. All right. So all of that creates uh, I can't mentality. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in here we'll start to judge, we'll criticize, and we'll condemn. All right, and you can you can 
pick up that with your golf metaphor. You went, I can't believe how shit I am. And you started judging yourself and criticizing yourself and condemning yourself. And then you're going to go all the way back to the start and you're going to keep repeating that cycle. Yep. All right, so that's good. you're going to get stuck in that rut. When you take the easy path, life becomes so much harder. They've done so many studies about how complaining wires our brain and just creates all this unnecessary suffering. And so when you say hard path, it's like the, the so sorry, the easy path is the unconscious path. Because yeah. we're just repeating the same path. We're jumping on the same train autopilot. that we jumped on yesterday. Yeah, autopilot, exactly. Yeah. And so th- remember, this is a neurological pathway. There's a, a bit of protein traveling down this path and it's going to keep going down that path. But what's mm-hmm. creating it is that it's not the event. It's not your golf swing or anything. It's, it's your internal construct yeah, the way you're creating mm. your thoughts. So there'll be some stimulus. I hit a golf ball and it goes 400 metres right instead of 400 metres straight ahead. And then you'll react. Sounds like you, sounds like you were watching me the other day, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've played with you. Um, <laughs> so there's stimulus and then we'll react and then we'll go into this space. And in that space, if we get what we want will be happy but because everything's impermanent or everything's constantly in changing when it shifts or changes and becomes what we don't like we'll become sad so most of the time we'll be in suffering in that space mm-hmm. that's depression anxiety anger or guilt yeah so that model of operating is what creates that slipping down the easy path into that it side, is, and, and, and it, it also brings so much, I think, trying to, uh, we, f- we do that because we feel like we can control circumstances and everything. And I think a big theme for me lately I've been trying to work on with myself is this whole concept of just giving up, of just, 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 just giving, surrender. just surrender, exactly. Yeah. yeah, just giving up. And it was funny, I, I after a couple of holes uh, of golf, I put this into action and I just let go of any expectation. I'm like, bro, stop thinking you're going to bomb it like DJ. Um, let's just you're out here on a tropical island you've got a beautiful Thai caddy here helping you out here you you're in this in the middle of the jungle let's have some fun right so then all of a sudden it became about fun and I gave up guess what happened on the next hole Nick you hit it straight I chipped in I chipped in. I never chipped in for a birdie. It's uh, it's it's because all of a sudden, when you stop trying to control shit and you surrender and you you let go to the flow of life. I mean, we started getting a bit deep. We might have even spoke about this last week around what's that uh, indwelling being if we're not our thoughts and emotions and patterns and everything. And it's like we are life. When we get into that flow of life, then all of a sudden life becomes so much easier, but it requires giving up. And I, I do like the word surrender as well, but I like giving up as well because it's got such a negative connotation. But if more people just gave up, then um, I'll, I'll give people a resource. Well, it's more challenging. I think giving up is is more challenging because people are so conditioned to don't give up, don't give up. So it takes them out of that to the other spectrum where surrender is a bit more gentle, I suppose. It is, it is. For people, I've got a couple of resources. For people listening, uh, 
in YouTube, little five-minute video, Alan Watts, accept it and you'll be good at it. That's Alan Watts, accept it and you'll be good at it. I've been watching this one nearly every day, once again, on these exact concepts that we're talking about, about how we're just trying, 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 and then the moment that you would give up is the moment that we start. To, it's like we're trying to swim, 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 and we can't. We learn, we think that we're the, that retarded kid who's never going to be able to swim, so we said, fuck it, I give up. Then we're swimming, <laughs> or then we're playing guitar, or whatever it is. Yeah, but have a think about, so the train's left the station, it's destructive, I can't do this, I'm so terrible, I'm so bad, you, you've gone into that neurosis, you've gone into that suffering, right, so these distortions are going to create that suffering, but what's creating those distortions is your beliefs, and we've spoken about the three amigos, that I must be perfect, I must get what I want, I must be liked. So you've gone out there thinking with this unconscious belief that I must be perfect. I must hit every drive down the middle. I must be like a pro golfer. You can hear how irrational that is mm-hmm. and you can hear the underlying attachments. Remember, attachment is the cause of all suffering, attachment and ignorance. So your attachment to the belief that I must be perfect is going to send your mind into a distorted state, which is then going to create this emotional disturbance, which is then going to affect your performance. Absolutely. The amount of pressure that you put on yourself, you're going to tighten up physiologically. You're you're going to be in adrenaline and cortisol. and More stress in the body. Yeah, your muscles are going to be tense and you're not actually going to perform in the flow. And it's these that, like, the problem is that these like cognitive distortions. So distortions by definition means they're not real, that we're, that we're not seeing something as they are. And, and it's so, we run into problems because we're not aware we have all these distortions going on and we think they're all true. So but when R- I say... R- but Ryan yeah. the golfer was living in the reality of what he thought should have happened or should be happening or could happen or would potentially happen. So Ryan the golfer was living in the, the reality of what should could or would happen mm-hmm. instead of the reality of what is so he wasn't present he wasn't That's in right. the moment go back to picking up the bit of paper off the ground he wasn't present just to let the golf club go through the ball and let go of his expectations and blah yeah. blah blah but then but then Ryan the golfer realised there was a cognitive distortion and could pick it up most people don't understand these cognitive distortions so they but and this is that the ego thinks it's always right and this is what we we run into problems because we believe we're right so let's say it's black and white thinking and it's like oh this is the most fucked thing ever and then i don't understand that that's a cognitive distortion so i believe that so then that just becomes my reality so all my distortions become my reality when by definition distortions aren't reality and this is where so many persons reality yeah, and that's what everyone's living in these illusions. So that's why I stopped being a therapist or counselor and shifted into being more of an, an educator or a teacher with MindFit, mm-hmm. because I wanted to stop helping people out of their suffering that they were creating and leaving them in the same pathways that were creating it. So next time Ryan the Ryan the golfer goes out, has a terrible round of golf, comes to see me for counselling. Oh, I'm so terrible. I'm so you know, I could help him feel better, but in the next round that he goes out, he's going to go out with the same cognition mm. construct and process. So he's going to go back into the same suffering. 
you know, so it just didn't That's right. Sense. The same the same cause is still there. Yeah, so I, I encourage exactly. people, like we, uh, people who listen to the show have heard us talk about cognitive distortions before. Like I encourage people to take a deep dive in this stuff. Like if you if you Google cognitive distortions, there'll be a, a list of them all. No, I've got like, it on my website. There you go, mindfit.com. Put them, have it on there. Um, there's also one of the, the best books that I've read on this stuff on cognitive distortions, uh, cognitive biases and heuristics is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Um, this is like, this was a, a great book on this stuff. Like he's a we're very gonna be, heavy... Gotta be, uh, I, th- I think what's a great book for us is not a great book for the listeners. Because I've, I've got over here, I've got my little bookshelf over here. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, you know, the brain that changes itself and what the dog saw and you know, I've got all these emotional intelligence and reality therapy and I've got the happiness trap and the courage to be happy and all these books. And occasionally I'll recommend them to a client and they'll always bring them back the next week saying they were a bit too clinically, they're a bit too, mm-hmm. you know, so what people who are new to this really enjoy are books more like the four agreements and uh yeah yeah more more story books yeah yeah well this is the way the peaceful warrior this this book is very clinical but if you but 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 if someone is like really interested in no just come and do a discovery session i mean because it's just uh yeah we've got yeah, the podcast is reaching so many people. I had a, um, an amazing dude, Nick. Shout out to Nick from New Zealand. Um, hit me up and he's like, man, I'm in New Zealand, but I listen to podcasts. It makes sense. I've been sitting on this for weeks and finally I reached out. And now I've got a chance to go through all this with him. He's like, oh, that's that's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Mm. No, it's so much easier if someone... Like, all I am is interpreting it from that clinical to a more palatable relatable common sense relatable way yeah yeah Yeah. totally makes sense so this is what most of us are doing yeah um but our buddy victor frankel who survived the holocaust came out with everything can be taken from a man the last of his personal rights to choose how he feels in any given situation broke that down into there's still stimulus um but then there's a space we can enter and then we can mindfully choose how we respond Mm mm-hmm yeah, so the formula looks the same, just a couple of bits are, are different. Yeah, just in different spots. So we're reactive because we're attached to irrational beliefs. Where up here, we can observe objectively. So Ryan, the golfer, can hit his shot and it goes 400 metres right and he can sit there in this space between stimulus and response and he can just go, that's interesting. Wow. All right. Well, that's where the ball is. Acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. Not into, no distortions, no, I'm shit or uh, that should have gone straight or I should have hit that better. It's just, oh, that's interesting. The ball's over there now. That's where I'm off to. That's where I'm off to. That's where my next one's going from. Yeah. So it's, it's staying present, but it's staying uh, equanimous. It's keeping keeping that emotional state undisturbed. Mm. So it's not it's not the stimulus. It's not the fact that you hit the golf ball 400 meters right. It's your reaction 
to that based on the expectations that you did or didn't have or what reality you were living in. Yes. You've walked out there in the reality of I'm a pro golfer where, as I said, I've played with you and you were definitely not a pro golfer. Nick, don't reinforce my negative beliefs about my <laughs> golf, all right? <laughs> I'm trying to strip your <laughs> ego back. So when we can learn to take the hard path and you did it, you did a mental rep, so you caught yourself, there was a stimulus... You reacted, the train left the station, and then you found yourself in that space of suffering. And you, so you caught yourself, you laughed, you went, ha, ha, ha. You took the train back to the station, and then you went into constructive thinking. Yeah, and then, and then rewired again, because then we can get into trouble, because then the next hole I chip in, and we can run into the issue where then I'm like, oh, hang on, no, I am a pro golfer. What a fucking great shot that is. Now I have an expectation of what's going to happen from then on. But so, instead, it, instead, it's, it, it was just like, oh, that's cool. That was cool. Let's just, let's just see what happens next. So Let's see is, what stimulus is, happens next. Yeah, so this is cognitive retraining, right? We're trying to, we're, we're retraining our brain, rewiring our brain to get out of destructive, critical, judgmental thinking. And up here, we can actually be kind and considerate and compassionate and all those mm. nice things. Empathetic, yeah? We're in a position yep. where we can give instead of just taking. We create that I can mentality and we keep moving forward. Yeah? Yeah. But in Vipassana meditation, uh, once again, it's all Buddhism and it's all the source of all suffering or emotional pain is attachment. So when you're sitting in meditation for an hour in, in complete stillness, you can't move a muscle, that's going to create a lot of stimulus. Yeah. And if for some reason there's a really nice feeling in one of your legs you know when it goes numb or something and then you're like oh that feels oh, that actually feels not bad if you get an attachment to a desire to continue to experience that you're going to set yourself up for suffering the same as if you, ryan the golfer had to create an attachment to a desire to chip in on the next hole he's setting himself up for suffering yep yep where conversely if you're sitting in stillness for an hour and not moving a muscle, you're going to experience some sensations that don't feel very good. But if you create an attachment to an aversion of experiencing those things, then you're going to set yourself up for suffering because they're going to come back around later. Yeah, on. it's such a pa it's a paradox and so counterintuitive. It's like the the seeking for positive experience is in itself a negative experience. Okay, so it's summed up in this quote. If we don't get what we want, we suffer. Mm -hmm. But if we do get what we want, we also suffer. Yeah. Because everything's <laughs> impermanent. Yeah. So, so we, we can't, we're, so we'll never, we will never be okay. But the definition of happiness is to be content. So what I'm trying to, teach people and this is this, this takes a lot of work to do to change that neurological pathway and lots of challenging and lots of catching but what we're trying to do is to help people be content with whatever it is that we've had i've hit a i've hit a bad drive i'm content i've chipped in i'm content my happiness is not dependent on the situations and outcomes mm. my yeah, I love the term, I'm unreasonably happy. 
there is no reason for my happiness i'm just happy mm. if i hit it if i chip in i can get happier my happiness can elevate a little bit because yay that's joy but if i hit a drive i'm not unhappy my happiness doesn't decrease because mm. i'm still out on a golf course i'm in thailand i'm still you know so our mind goes into gratitude instead of um, complaining yep so if we come back to the, the the train analogy that we started with, yeah, uh, I think most people get caught up in this whole process. I think the starting point is understanding that, you know, let's say there's there's twenty trains that we get on every single day and we just keep doing it, but there's all of a sudden there's two hundred other trains that we just haven't been aware of, and so we keep getting on the same trains because we're unaware that there, there's these other trains to get on because we believe so strongly on the trains that we get on because we've been getting on them over and over and over again and the, the fellow I was talking about at the start who was just like um you know that there's part of him who thinks he's he's, he's broken in some way and um he's always going to be that way and that's the part of him that as soon as he starts to get hope and something starts to go well he'll start to go back into that destructive and jump on that old train because that's what he's done but like those those beliefs or those trains, if we bring them to the light of awareness and start to really question them, that's when they can start to fall away because anything that isn't absolute truth won't survive our skepticism. Um, yeah, the truth, got, the, the truth test, we've got a stress test and that's where that challenging mm. comes into it. And as you said, anything that's irrational won't stand the test of truth. You know, so Buddhism has been around for two and a half thousand years. No one has been able to crack the the, the source of all pain is suffering because the the logic is so raw. The logic is so just factual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when you push that up against someone else's irrational belief, those irrational beliefs are just going to crumble. That's right. But this is what we're experiencing. So I've drawn on the whiteboard stimulus react and then space and then underneath that stimulus space and react so a client came in yesterday and i was explaining all this and i said all right so how much of the time in general do you think you're mindfully choosing how you think and feel and behave how much of the time are you responsive to when things happen and we just spent an hour talking about how irrational he was and how angry and upset he got at little things and he said oh I'd be reactive 90% of the time. And I said, okay. And so 10% of the time you're conscious. You're, I'm going to go and choose to have a cup of coffee. I'm going to choose to brush my teeth. I'm choosing to go to bed. And so, but that choice is in play only 10% of the time. And he's like, yeah, that a bit. Usually he's highly emotionally driven. Mm. Yeah, it's his emotions. It's his suffering or his distortions are striving that train out of the station. Only 10% of the trains leaving that station have a driver in them. So this dude's not in control at all. Yet we expect him to be contributing to society in a really wonderful manner. Mm-hmm. And to be a great father and a husband and a worker. And it just it doesn't make sense. So I said, what do you reckon the goal is? And he said, oh, well, 100%. I should be 100% responsive. And I went, you are not the Buddha. Okay, you are a Buddha. You can get on the path, but you are not. That in itself is irrational. It, it, it just highlights that belief that I must be perfect. Mm. Okay, so let's drop it down. Let's give you room to be human. Let's be eighty percent of the time 
mindfully responsive, and then 20% of the time we can just be normal and reactive. Yep. And he's like, cool. And this 90-10% that he had, I would see that five out of every 10 clients. The other five clients, it would be 80-20. Yep. So that's how reactive they are, either 10 or 20%. So for him, that equates to 70% being re- reactive, unnecessarily reactive. 70% of unnecessary suffering. So it's mm-hmm. like turning up to a gym, being 70 kilos overweight, yeah, and wondering why you don't feel good. Mm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's a your great analogy. Mind, your mind, your mental health is very out of shape. Yes. Yeah. So this is where we have to do all these mental reps, these bicep curls for the brain to start strengthening and reconditioning that operating system, the way that we're constructing our reality, our illusion that we all live in. We've got to really shift that and turn it around do and it's so and, and and this process just becomes easier and easier because like we spoke about with these neurological pathways if you imagine you know if we're trying to get as least technical as possible it's a brain groove so it's a groove that we've uh, grooved in we've so groovy <laughs> that we've grooved into our brain and the, the longer that we've done it the deeper that groove gets but as soon as we start to take that hard path and go into that constructive thinking we go a, down a different groove and so every time we do that the deep groove of destructive thinking will get less deep and the constructive one will get more deep which means and the the energy in our brain is trying to move through the path of least resistance so all of a sudden the path of least resistance will become constructive so constructive will become automatic as opposed to early on having to use this personal will to get there that's why the hard path becomes easy Mm. Ryan and so that's why the easy path becomes hard life gets so much harder it's so draining yeah. operating in this destructive way it yeah. really is it takes e- so easy easy in the moment hard life hard in yeah. the moment easy life well let's yeah. go for that quick fix and that instant gratification and, the, and that that dopamine hit and it's that yeah yeah I've got it yeah but that's not conditioning us to be healthy uh, and and for our well-being to be really well down the track. So. Yeah, yeah. Look, I tried it with drugs, Nick, and it didn't quite work for me. So yeah, obviously, yeah. if the if the I, listeners are thinking about that, I recommend uh, going for the hard option now for an easy life later. And, and <laughs> I did it with alcohol. Lots of yeah. people do it with food or gambling or smoking or whatever the case may be. But th- we talk about being woke. We talk about b- doing the work. Yeah, and this is the work. So for mm. all the listeners, you know, if you're wondering, what do, what do they mean by the work? The work is putting yourself in a position in front of somebody like me or like Hass who can challenge you, who can who can stress test your operating system, who can do an audit over your operating system, you know, and and see how many red flags are in action, see how much how many unhealed parts of you there are that are hypersensitive and being triggered when things don't go your way. And all we're really doing is trying to look at your emotional intelligence and go, what is your capacity to self-manage and to self-regulate? And what impact are you then having on those around you? What What is your capacity to contribute in a positive manner to your family, to your work, to society, 
you know, mm-hmm. because you can't do that unless you're in shape and you're okay first. Exactly. So, Take and this care is this yourself. is uncomfortable. This is that, you know, the the motto for MindFit is discomfort precedes success. It's it's being challenged doesn't feel good mm. in the moment, but down the track it's so much better. And it's like going to the gym. It doesn't feel good sweating your ass off. You know, on a treadmill going for a 10k run or lifting heavy weights it hurts it fucking hurts and you're straining and you're stressing and there's blood and sweat and shit going everywhere but you feel so much better when you leave or when that night when you get into bed or the next day and you can feel your muscles have been used you're going yeah that oh, feels good yeah and then when you go back again you're stronger the weights don't change like 20 kilos is always 20 kilos so you get stronger the weight doesn't get lighter no but I talk to clients about holding on, you know, remaining attached to what you think should have happened in your childhood. And it's akin to holding five kilograms. Now, 20, 30 years down the track, that version of them that experienced that trauma or whatever is still holding on. And that, yeah, the weight of that experience hasn't changed, but the part of them that is holding onto it has gotten tired and tired so it feels heavier mm. yeah and mm. so and then they need to they need to incorporate another part to start holding it up and all of yep. a sudden all these parts come into play and life will happen again and so then they're defenseless they're unable to manage you know, whatever experience they're, they're going through at the time yeah yeah it's funny there's a there's a therapy called I think it's called internal family systems and it's very, very much what you're talking about. It's like there's this part of us that we haven't let go from when we're younger and that's called the exile. And then all of a sudden we create, they're called managers. So we create all these managers to try and hold up or protect the exile. And then right. that's all that's happening. But then there's also another part of us called the, I think the, the firefighter. And that's when the exile gets too active or too triggered and the managers can't keep it under control. And the firefighter just goes all out to try and stop things. And that's when we just go and get blind drunk or use drugs or whatever it is to um, just try and stop that exile or that younger version of us that we're still holding on to from getting too activated. Yeah, well, that was probably anxiety for me. Remember the arms around me like mm. a bodyguard stopping me from leaving the house. Yeah, so yeah, love it, anxi- love it. Anxiety is a coping mechanism. It is, it is. All right, let's wrap it up there, mate. We've got to jump off, but uh, cool, that, was a, that, that was super educational. Well, it just went where it needed to go. It went where it needed to go, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I, co- I encourage people, if you are, are listening and you want more of the visual representation, jump on the Centre for Healing YouTube and you'll be able to see Nick's beautiful whiteboard and his drawings. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's just uh, a beautiful thing to look at. Can, really. I, can I just go back to the very start quickly and yep. talk about how many people are getting value out of this podcast? And I want to take this moment to express my gratitude to you Ryan Hassan for the work that you do and for coming into my life and for turning up week after week and sitting in this space with me and having ramen and doing all this like I couldn't do this without you so uh, this feeds my soul and it's helping a lot of people so yeah I just wanted to acknowledge what you do for for the world 
and I and I receive that fully, and I um you know how I feel, and I'm not going to throw a compliment back your way like most I don't people need to. do. It was unconditional. I'm I'm just going to receive that completely, Please. and um and that just feels very it, it so feels well. very very nice in my in my heart. Just let it slide on it. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. <laughs>for tuning into the woke blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five-star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time